What they did was to create a new legal construct of a security entitlement. Now prior to this, as I said, securities for 400 years were personal property. This concept of a security entitlement severed that. That's its purpose. So what people then have in institutions and uh, pension funds, even sophisticated investors, all they have is an entitlement. It's a claim. It's a contractual claim, which is very weak in the event of insolvency. So it's an appearance of ownership. It's sometimes referred to as beneficial ownership, which sounds nice. But what it means is that you receive dividends, you receive a proxy, you are the owner of title. You can, of course, you can buy it and sell it, but you can see in documents that I've found that the legal owner is actually the entity that controls the security with a security interest. They are the legal owners of the property. So now you have a contractual claim. Next, all of the securities are held in pooled form. So you have no specific identification. It used to be that with paper certificates, they were numbered. You had a specific numbered bond or stock share certificate. So now they're fungible, fungible bulk, book entry form, pooled. Further, we know, and it is absolutely irrefutable from the Fed's own response to a questionnaire from the EU, that even segregated accounts, even people or institutions that have been told that their securities are segregated are in the same pool and entitled to only a pro rata share in the event of an insolvency of the custodian. So again, segregation is just an appearance. People are told that it's an absolute subterfuge. And the shocking thing is that even sophisticated institutional investors do not understand this or they don't want to know it. Further, even if fraud, outright fraud is committed by the custodian, that does not obviate the ability of the secured creditors to take the securities from these pools ahead of the people who thought they owned them. Then there was, in 2005, a change to the bankruptcy law in the United States, creating something called safe harbor. Again, that sounds nice, but what safe harbor means is safe harbor for the secured creditors to take the client assets and to make that absolutely certain that even in the event of fraud, they will take the client assets. So prior to this change in bankruptcy law, there was something called fraudulent transfer, fraudulent conveyance. And the trustee, the bankruptcy trustee, had a duty to claw back any assets that had been fraudulently transferred. So this change was made in 2005. And then with the failure of Lehman Brothers, this was cemented in case law. And we can see the judgment by the bankruptcy court related to this. What happened there was that JP Morgan was both the custodian for the client assets and the secured creditor that took the client assets, which prior to 2005, everything that happened there would have been constructively fraudulent.
but the bankruptcy judge, this is the Southern District of New York, which is Manhattan, found in favor of J.P. Morgan that J.P. Morgan absolutely was entitled to take the client assets. The only question was whether J.P. Morgan was an entitled person, basically, to take the client assets. This is an important point because it's not all secured creditors that have this power to take the client assets. It is only the very biggest banks that are entitled to take the client assets. So they don't want anyone else elbowing in there to take anything, only they will take them. And in this judgment, the judge asked the question, is JP Morgan a member of the protected class? Used explicitly those words and said, quite obviously, as one of the biggest banks in the world, the biggest financial institutions, JP Morgan is quite obviously a member of the protected class. To see this in a bankruptcy case law from the court, I think that's pretty strong stuff. It's like that document directly from the Fed provided to the legal certainty group. This is hard to refute. A custodian has the records of who owns what. It's in their books and records, but that's all it is. It is the records. The system has been changed so that the property itself is then transferred up to a higher level and held in pooled form. So you deal with your- Wow. You know, we've heard for a long time, Klaus Schwab, World Economic Forum, uh, basically that 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 group of leaders that everybody uh, answers to, uh, presidents of nations and all that. He's saying, we're gonna have a great reset. You're going to own nothing and you're going to be happy. Mm. Um, I tell you what, guys, when you watch that clip, Maybe you already own nothing. Are you happy? Are, are you happy about it? Um, that's that. That's a, it's it, that's a complicated piece of information. We can't break it down ourselves, but I'm super uh, interested in it. And um, you know, we got an author wrote a book called "Thriving in the Economic Tsunami." Uh, he has not one but two PhDs, and uh, I, I want some answers on that clip we just saw. Get your pens and paper ready because we're gonna dive into it with Doctor Doctor Kirk Elliott. Right. Help us out. I, I feel Crazy. like I'm falling and I, I might throw up. So do, do, do people okay. actually not own the things they think they own? No. This- so so this guy, David Webb, um, seriously might be one of the most courageous financial authors I've ever read. Um, so he wrote this book this year called The Great Taking. It's It's you can go to the Great Taking website. You can download it for free or watch the documentary like we just watched a, a part of it. But here's where <laughs> what he exposed is actually going to blow people's minds. I mean, literally, it, it's so you think that you own all of your stuff, mm-hmm. right? Obviously, when we we have money and we put it in the bank, we think, oh, well, we own it. And the bank is just a, a custodian of it, right? Mm-hmm. So they have to keep it safe and then they can use it and they pay us interest on it. Right. Um, that used to be the case. However, after the, the collapse of 2007 to 2009, everything changed. Like literally everything changed where, where those big banks like Lehman Brothers and everybody else who were, were going under at the time – they had trillions and trillions and trillions of dollars of derivatives debt. It's like, man, how are we going to pay for this? Right? Mm-hmm. How, how, we don't have enough money. We over leverage. We can't pay for it. 
So they changed how the bankruptcy looked. They changed who owns the assets. So if I no longer own the assets in a bank, but the bank now owns it, they can use it as collateral for other stuff. And and this is exactly what happened. So instead of ownership, they now have the term called beneficial ownership of all your assets. So you think, oh, beneficial, that's a nice word. And ownership, Mm -hmm. that's a really good word. So there's nothing wrong with that, beneficial ownership. Oh, yeah, it is. It's like a beneficiary, right? So so it means all of your stocks, bonds, real estate, mutual funds, cash accounts, savings accounts, everything that you own um, basically goes into ownership of somebody else that you become the beneficiary on. You actually unwillingly or even well, willingly, unwittingly, I guess is a better word. You gave up assets, all of the things that you own, you gave them up to the bank after 2009 and you might not even have known it. Like who actually reads through all the dumb contracts? Right. That you get? I mean, you buy a home, even, you buy anything. It's I know stack. buying anything, even apps, you know, you can put an app on your phone. Like who reads it? Agree. 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 Yeah. Okay, move on. Yeah. No, I mean, we got an, I got an app on my phone for my bank. It's the mobile app for our bank. And I got this little announcement like two weeks ago that the, you know, you had to read through it and you had to hit enter. You had to hit yes, or you couldn't access your money. It's like, all right. I mean, this is dumb. It's like, they don't even give you a choice. It's like either accept our terms and conditions or you can't access your money. It's like, well, Who's not going to accept the terms and conditions then, right? I mean, it's just stupid. Right. So so the same thing happened in 2009. So through these bankruptcy court proceedings and some of these, these big institutions are going under, they changed the ownership to a beneficiary relationship. And that the end of that clip that we saw, it said basically that kept rolling uphill to the ownership to the custodians. So they can determine who owns what and when and how, and if you even get access to it down the road. Because if they file for bankruptcy, they might need those assets to pay off the creditors, right? So you don't own anything anymore. Now, this actually was amplified last year with the Bank for International Settlements. Um, They basically came up with a concept called the unified ledger, which is real similar to this, which means... Now, in a digital world, which we didn't really have one in 2009, I mean, we kind of did, but we kind of didn't because back prior to that, every stock certificate, every bond certificate, every title to your home was kept in custody somewhere, like rooms with all these you know, certificates and paper assets somewhere. But they digitized all of it. Okay. You know, everything's been made digital. So it's real easy to change ownership on, on something that's digital. You just go into the right field in the database and change the name. I mean, that's it. Mm-hmm. So so this is the concept of a unified ledger that the Bank for International Settlements uh, basically undertook last year, which means it's a rolling of all of your assets into one packet. Uh, they call it a token. It's called tokenization. And all of that then with the flip of a switch or the change of a few keystrokes you can change the ownership of everything you have, right? So you don't own anything, literally. This is, David, what Klaus Schwab Jeez. meant. He said, you're, you're not going to own anything and you're going to like it. Well, how do you know if you're going to like something or not if you don't even know that it's happened? Yeah. Right? right. I mean, 
all of this stuff was just kind of done. And until the David Webb guy did this documentary, I, I encourage everybody to watch it. Because we'll put all the is, links below where you can catch mm-hmm. that. Yeah, it is really, really creepy. And this guy is really brilliant. I mean, it's an amazing documentary. One of the best financial ones I've seen. And it's not like it's boring either. It's it's kind of riveting. <laughs> um, it's like you, you're, you're going to be sitting there with your mouth hanging wide open thinking, what? They did that? Mm-hmm. I didn't know they did that. I mean- you're just you're just watching that the whole time. It's like this is this is shocking. So so capital has basically moved from you to the banks. They own everything. They own all of it. And if they like you, you're going to get it. This this goes to the World Economic Forum and Klaus Schwab of programmable money, ideology-based spending, social credit scores, ESGs, all of that, right? So, so now they've actually kind of codified the reason and what could separate you from that money of even being a beneficiary of it. Okay. See, that law in 2009 officially separated you and your money by changing ownership. But this one, the stuff that we're doing now could change the beneficial, you know, the beneficiary aspect of that that we already gave up because you know, if they don't like you, they're not going to give it to you, period, done. So, so this is where, you know, one quick quote here from this in 2005, less than two years before the onset of the global financial crisis, safe Harbor provisions in the U S bankruptcy code were significantly changed. Safe Harbor sounds like good thing, right? But again, Mm -hmm. this was about to make making it absolutely certain the secured creditors can take client assets and that this cannot be challenged subsequently because it was actually changed in the U.S. bankruptcy court laws prior. So that safe harbor means safe for who? <laughs> Not mm-hmm. for you, safe for them because they get to use your assets for whatever they want to. Um, man, wow. this is this is insane. So concerning. And without anybody knowing it, the government, the globalists, the the banks, the international financial institutions. Um, they took your assets and you didn't even know it. Oh, this okay. is so, just so what's, crazy. what's the move? People are hearing this. And I know. Like, I'm like, like what, what do you do? That's a problem. Um, how do we have, like, what are things I actually can own? You know, and, and, and if, if something's not financed, if you're, you know, you don't have a, a, a lien on your cars or, you know, loans, these kind of things, like what are those then yours? Are these assets then yours? Good question. Well, if what there's can a be mine? It, if there's a title on it, probably not, because David, you might you might think that you own your house, so, but do you? I mean, I mean, really, do you? Try not paying your property taxes. What mm-hmm. what's going to happen? Right. That it goes to a, a, a auction lien, and somebody else could buy your house for pennies on the dollar, right? Just by taking over the unpaid taxes. So really, even though you own something, you don't necessarily own it in America. People don't understand that. Um, but that's an easy an easy one to remember. So this tokenization, anything that has a title, um, anything that has a, a record on it like that, yeah, that could be tokenized. There's things, there are assets that are totally private, like gold and silver. Yeah, there's no title to it. If you have it, you own it. Right? Gotcha. It's not digital. It's not a piece of paper. You can use it for barter in a world where where merchants might not want currencies anymore. I mean, literally, this is 
this is where we want to now not just invest in something because it's a good investment, also invest in things because it really protects and preserves everything you've worked so hard to accumulate, right? So, so this is where we need to start blending the social, the spiritual, the economic, the political, all into one picture because mm. the world is changing. And it's not yeah. just we invest because it's a good investment return. We invest because it's a good investment return, but does it offer safety to the other political mm. shenanigans that are going on? Gold and silver actually do. So everything you can peel off from from that system and have in in a private sector, mm-hmm. you know, would 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 cryptocurrency be in that as well? Gold, silver, these kind of investments would would that fall in that category, or is that only if um, it's maybe in in a fund like Coinbase or somebody? If you have in a cold wallet, it's, it's pulled out. Is that then independent, so- or is it still? digitized and tracked into their umbrella cryptocurrency that's decentralized blockchain like bitcoin technically very safe right because you don't know the source of the funds you don't know who the owner is it's all blockchain it's it's private however you can't buy it generally without going into a digital wallet like coinbase for example well what if you can't act what if coinbase says no you're not accessing it like they've done to russians you know, Russia, sure. people in Russia can't get their money out of the, their wallets. It's like, what? So I might have this bajillion dollars worth of Bitcoin, but I can't access it, right? So it might be safe. However, liquidity is key. What if they minimize your withdrawals to 500, you know, Bitcoin units a day or whatever, or $500 worth of them or, you know, fractional amounts, which they've they've already done. I mean, there's all kinds of coin wallets that that limit the amount that you have to do every day because the underlying cryptocurrency isn't necessarily liquid. There's not a lot of market demand for it. So you can't take out very much. To me, that's not necessarily safe. And if, if cryptocurrency goes through the roof and everybody wants it and it's an attack against the government's money system, right, which it will be decentralized crypto versus centralized right. central digital currency. Well, then what? Well, they outlaw it. How are you going to get rid of it? Are the, are the coin wallets going to comply? Um, you know, it, it, there could be a point or it gets bad enough. They just flip the switch, you know, going to that URL or that IP address says, ah, oh, nobody can get, we're just going to cut off any incoming traffic to this, this coin wallets, uh, you know, IP address. It's like, it's easy to do in a technology world to mm. cut people off from their assets. That's why I like physical that you take delivery of that's private that you can use for barter if need be. It is huge. And right now, uh, silver is the move uh, because it's undervalued. So Flyover Family, when you go to flyovergold.com, it's a landing page, great information there. When you scroll down to the bottom, there's a place you can fill out your information. When you do that, someone from Dr. Kirk's team will get a hold of you to set up a free consultation. It doesn't cost you any money whatsoever to find out your options, find out what you can do because it's, you know, it's based on each person's individual needs and what they have. And Dr. Kirk's team can help you do that. Or you can call 
3900. Again, it's 720-605-3900 to set up that free consultation. Dr. Kirk, thank you so yeah. much for everything that you're doing, for sharing this information, for breaking it down. Um, we will, again, like David said, we'll put everything in the notes so you guys can see it as well. But we really do appreciate your time, Dr. Kirk. This is a crazy time to be alive. Well, just in our lifetime, it used to be where you'd hear your grandparents talk about how cheap gas was and stuff. And it was 75 years before, 50 years you yeah. know, before. And so we've seen a lot of changes since Biden took office. $700 more a month. Than what you needed in January of 21 when he took office. You might hear these kind of things and think, oh, that's overwhelming. I can't control the government. I can't control what they're doing. I can't control the spending. But we can take care of ourselves. You want to make sure that you're buying bullion from somebody that you can trust and someone that does not charge you a commission when you go to sell. If there's going to be a commission, have it on the front end, not the back end when it skyrockets and now you're like, oh my gosh, look at this big, huge commission I got to pay because it's on the back end before I sell it. You can buy an ounce of silver for $23. So this is something everybody can get into. And if silver goes to $50, if it goes to 75, if it goes to 100, all of those profits are yours. And that's happening while the dollar is buying less and less at the actual grocery store. So you can go to flyovergold.com, fill out your information. When you do that, someone from Dr. Kirk's team will get a hold of you to set up a free consultation. It doesn't cost you any money whatsoever. Or to do the same thing, you can just call 720-605-3900. All right, let's get our stuff together here. Hi. I'm David Whitey. <laughs> if we can skip the high money part, because that's where I got it tend to derail. Hi. But I did good. See, look. First thing it says. Say your name. Say your name. Say your name, David Whitey. Have you been wondering what to do with the spare time you have on Saturday mornings? Have I got a way for you to fill that time? Not cleaning your garage, folding your laundry, or doing something with yourself. Filling your head with worthless information about what may or may not have happened 5,000 years ago. Have you ever wondered about ancient civilizations or about chemtrails in the sky? Or have you ever had a friend at, at school talk to you about... Friend at school. <laughs> <laughs> Some days when you're sitting there with your lunch pail and you're talking to your friends at school, they, they bring up your flat earth, and you think it's a flat I don't know if your flat earth is flat or not. I don't know alligators are angry because they got all those teeth and no toothbrush. And it's all true. And we talk about it every Saturday. <laughs> we talk about Rubik's Cubes and stuff. We like to have conversations with people that have made documentaries, written books. Oh, this is terrible. I can, like, feel myself hating watching this later. Okay, give me a swoosh. Let's do this thing for real this time. Bye. Got a show for you. <laughs> my, my, hang on, my, my eyes red now. You won't be able to tell in there. Peter can fix it. You can run it through a filter. Can you run it through the Brad Pitt filter and get rid of the, my red eyes? Oh, I'm probably doing the world a disservice. For more great content, go to flyoverconservatives.com.